We've been looking for a couple of weeks at the cross itself and what it means, and we've tried to break it down in ways that we could understand it. But now for the next two weeks, we're going to look at living by that cross. It's one thing to talk about the cross. It's one thing to seek to understand what the cross means theologically, practically. But then there is another thing to live by the cross. And so we want to talk about that for a couple of weeks. How do those of us who have a personal saving relationship with Christ refer to ourselves? How do you, how do you introduce yourself to others as someone who has a saving relationship with Jesus Christ? What terminology do you use? What do you do to distinguish yourself from someone who um, uh, in another religious faith or some group claims to have a relationship with God or a God or deity. How do we refer to ourselves? And I can tell you at the outset that the terminology has been a growing dilemma over the years. I think probably the most common word is Christian. I'm, I'm a Christian, which is a great word. Absolutely great word. It's a compound word that means belonging to Christ. And if you know the book of Acts, it says that the people were called Christians first in Antioch of Syria. Think about that. Think about what's going on today in Syria and some of the parts of the world. And you think about in Antioch, Syria, in the book of Acts, in the time of Acts, people were referred to and called Christians. They didn't call themselves that. They were called that by others because they saw the work of the grace of God in their lives. But you know that word has become almost nominal. When you use the word Christian today, sometimes you use it and it's, it's saying more about who you aren't than who you are. I'm not a Buddhist, I'm not a Hindu, I'm not a Jew, I am not a Muslim, I am a Christian. And so unlike the day in Antioch, today when you use the word Christian, you almost have to add something to it. You have to start explaining it because the terminology isn't what it used to be. There was a period of time when we had Jesus people. They referred to themselves as the Jesus people. And that was sort of the hippie element of, of Christianity. And then along came the word evangelical. And evangelicals were people who believed in the Christian gospel. They believe that salvation by faith through Jesus Christ <clears throat> was the means of salvation. We call ourselves evangelicals. Sometimes we call ourselves evangelical Christians. You know, you keep adding the words trying to clarify. After evangelical, we had the neo-evangelicals or what we call the new evangelicals, and uh, they were people who believed the same thing. They believed the Christian gospel, but they wanted the gospel to have more of an impact on culture. And so identified with that was the ministry of Billy Graham. It was the birth of the magazine Christianity Today. You had Christian writers like Carl F.H. Henry and all of those. That was the movement of the neo-evangelicals. Then along came Born Again. <clears throat> I guess that was at its height with Jimmy Carter. But we talked about being born from above by a heavenly parent. That was something we used to distinguish ourselves. Who are we? 
And we use now a lot of the, the word believer. I'm a believer. Well, that works well in here. It doesn't work well out there. You have to decide. You have to, you have to describe what you believe in. In the late 60s, the monkeys had a, they said they were believers. And they had a song, and it was about loving a girl. And they said, now I've seen her face, I'm a believer. Couldn't leave her if I, had, if I tried. You've got you've to you've declare what you believe in. And so none of these words by themselves get the job done. But the verses we read a moment ago that Fred read, I believe really sets us apart. I believe that verse and that reference to people knowing the Lord and what they do about that clarifies it specifically. I think if we refer to ourselves this way and we would live by the specifics and the details of this verse, there would be absolutely no confusion about who we are. Listen to it again. And I'll read the verse right before when Jesus strictly warned them not to say anything and he said, the son of man may suffer, will suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, chief priests and the teachers of the law and he must be killed and on the third day he will be raised to life. That sets the context. It's very obvious what we're talking about. And then he said in verse 23 in Luke chapter 9, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. I think if you and I were to refer to ourselves as the followers of Christ, according to the dictates of this verse, we lived it out this way, there would be absolutely no confusion about who we are. You remember last week I said that Stodden, someplace in his book, said that we're Barabbases. Somebody died for us on our behalf, took our place on the cross. He also said in the book The Cross, he said, we're not only Barabbas, we're Simon of Cyrene, because at some point we're to take up our cross and follow him. A lot of my ministry we had uh, Sunday morning services as we have here. We had Sunday evening services and we had Wednesday services. We had so many services that I thought about changing denominations. But my, uh, <coughs> my, uh, my motives were not pure. But it was a lot of pre preparation. But I remember in some of the Sunday evening services over the years and some of the Wednesday night services when it was a little more relaxed uh, you gave the people once in, once in a while an opportunity to share a testimony. Anybody tonight would like to share a testimony? Or you have a favorite verse. Let's spend some time and just share our favorite verses. And so somebody would stand and say John 3.16, which of course is a well-known and a favorite verse. Somebody would stand and say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And on and on it would go. Over the years in doing that, I have never, I never... <clears throat> Had anybody state Luke 9.23, take up your cross, deny yourself, and follow him. Never. 
Living by the cross is tough, folks. It's very demanding. When I came to Christ, I was excited about following him. He could have had my plans. He could have had my money. I was an adolescent. I didn't have any money. (laughs) I was making 50 cents an hour in a grocery store. I didn't have any real plans to speak of. Oh, it's like a kid. You may say, you know, I think I want to be this when I grow up. I didn't have any specific plans to change. But you know, when you get plans and you get dialed into plans, and it's something that you've got your heart set on, and you begin to make money, then making a commitment to the Lord completely can become very, very, very difficult. And you would say, what do you mean? Go where? Do what? Give how much? And we balk. Because it's a very demanding thing. How many times I, I, I went to church and I stood and I sang the hymn, I Surrender All, and I knew I was a liar. I had not surrendered everything. How often do you and I come to church and we, we sing about the cross, we preach about the cross, we pray in the name of Jesus who went to the cross, and we leave very much in the, in the personal property management business, we are still in control. We've not laid our lives down. And so we come to this passage that is very demanding. Jesus calls us to follow him. And he tells us how that happens. Let's break the verse down. This is one of the worst uh, mottos, elective mottos that you would use to enlist people that I've ever heard in my life. But it's pure honesty. And it's pure reality from our Lord. And what else would you expect? This is what it takes to follow me. And the first part of the verse, he says, anyone. That is an all-inclusive word. It means everybody. (laughs) How many times do you see today an ad that says, anybody's credit's welcome? You better read the fine print. Anybody's welcome. Well, if you're not too different from us. Anybody can apply. Yeah, you can apply, but you may not be approved. When you come to Jesus... Anyone means anyone. And that's true for Matthew, who was a despised tax collector. It was true for a little fellow named Zacchaeus up in a tree. It was, it was true for John Newton, who wrote the, the song Amazing Grace, Saved a Wretch. Have you ever read his life? He was a wretch who saved a wretch like me that we can come and that you and I can follow? Anyone, any of us, any of us can do this. Verse 23, all of us are open to follow him this way. But this is what it takes. This is the cost. No monkey business here. This is straight truth. Anyone come after me. That doesn't mean tagging behind him. It's a word used usually in the context of a romantic pursuit. When you pursue somebody you love, you're, you're all in. You're all in. 
and you take risks. You're willing to take risks. When Brenda and I were dating, <clears throat> she was at Campbell, I was at Wake Forest, <clears throat> and we were able to come home on the weekend. She, we both lived in Greensboro at that time, not far from here. And so we were able to come home on the weekends and see each other. One weekend in the, in the winter, we got all messed up because the weather turned nasty. I got home and it started snowing. It was about seven or eight inches deep. So I called her on the telephone and she said, are we going to see each other? <laughs> and in a ridiculous moment, I could have wrecked the car and done a number of other things. I got in the car, drove to her house to see her. That's what love does. That's what you do when you pursue someone in love. You take risks. You just throw yourself fully into it. So I drove over to her house and got ready to come home. I got in the car and on the way home, and she lived in a very hilly neighborhood, and I couldn't get out. <clears throat> Absolutely stuck. The best thing of the night, there was a snowplow in the, in the neighborhood. He couldn't do anything without me out of the way. So he would jump off and he would get me unstuck and then he would go ahead of me and plow ahead so I could get out. It would work wonderfully. That's what love does. When you pursue someone you love, you take risks. This is not a casual weekend. When we just come and we sing some songs and hope they sing the ones I like. Do a sermon, do communion, and then leave. Folks, this is a time for us to fall more deeply in love with Him. Jesus wants nothing less than being the love and pursuit of our lives. It says here, come after me. Love Him. Pursue Him in love. And then deny yourself. You must deny yourself. Sin makes us very self-centered. Jesus denied Himself. You remember the verses in what we call the kenosis of Christ in Philippians chapter 2? Listen to this again. You want to hear about denying yourself? Who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped or held to? but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Folks, that's, that's denying yourself. We have a real difficult time with denying ourselves because sin is very self-centered. And we have a real problem with sin. But if you follow Christ, and if I follow Christ, and if we do it by the dictates of this verse, we're going to have to deny ourselves. That does not mean deny yourself something. I'm going to give up this for a little while or do away with this. It means denying you. Turning your back on you. Renouncing yourself. This is what Simon Peter did when he denounced Jesus. He didn't acknowledge him. He turned his back on him. And that's what we've got to do with self. Deny yourself, you turn your back on yourself, you don't acknowledge yourself. And folks, there are levels of denial. Let me give you some examples. Here's a, here's a level, first level I'll give you. You want a new suit or a new coat for Christmas. But the kids need shoes. 
okay, I'll just forego the dress or the suit. You're in a room with three co-workers and the boss says to you, the four of you, only three of you can get a raise this year. Somebody will have to wait until next year. You going to deny yourself? You're in a room with those three co-workers and the boss says to the four of you, only three of you can keep your job. Oh, it's getting a little tighter. Now it was a coat, it was a suit, now it was a, a raise, now it's my job. You're in a room with those three people and you're a hostage. And the one holding you hostage says only three of you are going to live. You see the levels of denial of yourself? When you come to what Jesus is asking us to do here, he is appealing to the deepest level of self-denial. Are we willing to deny ourselves to the point that there is the result of death? And I'm not talking literally. I'm not talking about physical death. I'm talking about refusing to acknowledge me. I don't claim what I could claim. I forego the things that I have a right to. I look at James and John, sons of Zebedee, two men who readily followed the Lord. And then in the process of following him, thinking there was going to be an unholy scramble for some things around the throne, they said, Lord, when you come in your kingdom, I'd like to have the right side and the left side. It's so easy for us to get off track. It's so easy for us when we are following the Lord to suddenly begin to think about comfort, power, what we want. And that's the very opposite of our Christ in his poverty and his shame and in his weakness. That approach is not following him. That approach is not Luke 9, 23. We have to deny ourselves. We have to refuse to acknowledge, turn, let him lead. Then he said, take up your cross. Folks, this is not a cross to bear. There are a lot of things that happen to us in life. It can be financial, it can be, it can be loss, it can be health, it can be financial. And most of those things that hit us and we call it's a cross to bear or it's something very difficult, it comes at us and we have no control over it. Listen to this. This is taking up a cross voluntarily. It is not something coming at me that I cannot control. It is taking up a cross voluntarily. Cross is about dying. When you take up the cross, the outcome is very certain. Can we die to self? Can we die to self? Can we pay the price and the cost that it takes to follow Christ? I ask you a question. Do you think about it just for a few moments? What is it right now in your Christian walk and in following Christ? that costs you anything. 
I hear stories all around the world about people who are putting their lives on the line for Christ. In the midst of persecution and danger, they make a choice. And they choose to follow Him at horrific cost. And I look at my life and I'm thinking, what is it right now that's costing me to follow Him? What is it, what is it costing you to follow Him? Take up the cross. There is a cost in this. And he said, do it daily. It's not a one-time thing. It's a decision always being made daily, living by the cross. You almost read this passage and say, why is Jesus being so harsh and why is he being so demanding? But then when you read the next verse, as Fred did, you realize how loving he is. Because he said in the next verse, if you try to save your life, you'll lose it. But if you lose your life for my sake, you will save it. The direct opposite of everything that we hear in our society. Oh, we know how to make it, don't we? We know what it takes to be successful. We know what it takes to be happy. No, that's not what Jesus said. Jesus said if you believe that and go that way, you lose your life. He said, if you choose to lose it for my sake, you actually save it. And that's what he did. He laid his life down and he saved it. And in the process of laying it down, he brought salvation to us. It's like an ice cube in the hand. Hold it and it'll melt. Drop it in a beverage. You can cool it for somebody. Take a seed and hold it. It will do no good. Plant it. It'll germinate. It can provide food. Lay our life down for the cause of the gospel. I look at a passage like this and in speaking to you, I say, what do we do about this? Do we just hear the words and say, this is what Jesus said it takes to follow me. This is what it takes to be a follower of Christ. So we have broken the verse down and all of us sort of have an insight as to what that means. It's denying ourselves, it's a love pursuit, it's doing it daily. It's a cost involved. It's being willing to deny ourselves even to the point of death. But how do we do that? Practically, how do we deal with these types of verses? May I offer some suggestions? Something that we can do in taking an initial step we say to him, Lord, I do love you. I really do. And I, want to, and I want to follow you. And I want to follow you the way that it takes to follow. And I think we have to tell him this. I believe what you say. 
Do we really believe that if we lose our life for him and lay it down for him, we actually gain it? Is that something we really believe? I think we have to come to a point where we say, Lord, I love you. And I really believe what you say is true. And I want to save my life. That means laying it down for you. So what I'm going to do is take a little baby step. I'm going to do something this week that denies myself. When I'm in a group and everybody wants to do what they want to do, I'm going to say, it doesn't matter about me. Let's do what you want to do. Do something to deny yourself. When it comes to your wife or your husband, choose to say, no, it's not what I want today. I'm going to do what you want today. I'm going to deny myself. When it comes to taking revenge, you don't have to take revenge. You can deny yourself and say, I forgive you. At some point, folks, we have to get off of dead center. And we have to make some movement toward cost. We have to make some movement toward denying ourselves. Or we'll never learn how to do it. And in the whole process, we've got to be genuine about saying to him, I love you and I want to love you more and I want to pursue this relationship. And to tell him, I really believe laying down a life for you is saving it, and I want to save my life. So are we serious about that? Are we serious about the criteria here? Then let's take steps in that direction to make it happen. And so when you've come here next week, you say, there were some things that I did last week when I denied myself, and there were some costs that I paid. And I did it willingly because I love him and because I have every intention of being a follower of Christ. And when we're a follower of Christ, according to Luke 9, 23, it will be absolutely clear who we are and whose we are. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you are lovingly truthful with us. You don't beat around the bush. You told us exactly what it means to live by the cross. And you set the example. And I pray more than just taking the verse of 23 and breaking it down. We will take steps this week to live it out in our lives. So that it becomes something that is just routine for us because of our love for you. We learn to live like that which helps us to be more and more like you. Father, we want to say to your son, we love him, we believe him, and we want to follow him. Give us the strength and the wisdom to do it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.